All right, we're going to be in Revelation chapter 3 just for a minute. Um, I, you know, I've had some things on my heart and, and just trying to figure out. We're in the series. I was just going to move all away, all, away from it completely for just a little bit. But uh, as I was reading, I was like, well, here's exactly what the Lord, I think, is wanting me to share this morning. So we'll just let it be what it is. All right, that's fine. That's, that's what we do all the time anyway, so... Let's pray and ask the Lord to, to bless the reading and the hearing of his word. God, I pray that you'd be with us this morning as we open up the word of God, that you would protect my mouth, that it would uh, continue to preach and proclaim and teach only what the word is, is teaching and preaching in and of itself. God, I pray that you would uh, open up ears to hear uh, the Lord Jesus Christ as he uh, proclaims his word, Lord, uh, through this mouth. God, I pray that you would help us to understand who you've called us to be and uh, that you would set us free, that we may be uh, that person. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Now, let's stand for the reading of God's Word. <clears throat> Revelation chapter 3, I'm going to only read verses 1 and 2, and then uh, we'll unpack that a little bit. Verse 1, And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, The words of him who has the seven spirits of God, and the seven stars. I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. May God bless the reading and the hearing of his word. You may be seated. You know, as I was thinking about, and I'll tell you, the Lord, if he doesn't do this to you, then either you're lying or you really need to wake up and, and, and start to walk with the Lord. He speaks to me through the events in my life, and he makes application of the Word of God that I've been reading through the events that are going on in my life. And as a preacher of God's Word, I find that I cannot, I've actually tried, and I've thought about this before, that I've thought, well, is that wrong, or is that not wrong, or whatever? Because a lot of the times, my life situation or circumstances really it kind of propels the message that goes forth. And, and I was like, I was trying to fight against that for the longest time because I was like, well, I don't, want, I don't want too much of me to be in that sermon. And I think that's a good thing that we need to guard against that. Uh, a lot of the times we see a lot of topical message, messages come out from different pastors that are all about just life circumstances and all that type of thing. And so we can get into trouble. But at the same time, as I read the scriptures, I see Peter and Paul and John, well, they're operating out of their personalities and out of the situations that are going on in their lives. And the Lord says what he wants to say, but it's always with what's going on in that person's life and uh, that person's personality, the gifts and, 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 and type of person that he made them to be. Well, so I've, I've really kind of stopped trying to fight against that so much and try to allow God to use that. And so the reason I say all of that is, is that the last couple of weeks, I've been, I've been kind of thinking about life, and I've been thinking about, you know, my time, and, and, and how am I spending my time, and, and I'm going to tell you right now, I don't know what you guys are getting out of the book of Revelation, but it has been revelational to me. <laughs> It has been revolutionary. It really has. It, is, it has really made me think about who I am in God and, and, and just what is my life all about because these letters written to these churches, these letters are all about those people and those circumstances and how are they living life in the circumstances that has been presented to them. 
What are you doing with your present situation and your present circumstance? What are you doing with that for the glory of God? You think, well, I've never really thought about that before, or I don't get what you're saying. Well, this is what I mean. When we look at the church in Ephesus, we see one issue that's going on there, that, that they're very, very theological, but they've left their first love. The situation that they're in is that they're in a church that is very academic, very theological. And, and, and what the Lord is saying is, is that, are you using the situation that you're in in order to glorify me to the maximum? Okay, But now another church is in another situation. We see Thyatira is in the exact opposite situation. They're in a a situation where the church has become kind of loose. And they really love Jesus and they love people and they love to share, but they have gone so much off balance is that they've allowed the world to come into the church and start to corrupt the church. So much so that that it started to uh, become so problematic that Jesus is like, I'm about to cut this in half. I'm about to destroy it. So he said, look, it's good to have tight theology, and it's good to have love, but we need to have both. In other words, you need to serve the Lord to the utmost in whatever situation that's going on in your life, in whatever situation that you find yourself in. And there is a multitude of situations in the room. So some of you are young men with with young wives and young families, and you need to live out your life in a certain way in this season to glorify God the most. And a lot of the times what we do is we look at someone else's situation and we wrongly desire their situation, so we try to emulate who they are, where they're living, and it jacks us all up. And it looks something like this. So some of you young men in a, with a young wife and a young family, and you've, you've, you've started your career, and you're early in your career, so you don't make quite the money. You don't have quite the benefits. You don't have quite the savings. And instead of being, con- instead of being happy and content with, with where you are and what the Lord has blessed you with, which is far more than the majority of the world, you're looking at the older gentleman who has worked his entire life, who has, just let's say it, a better job than you. He's got a better savings, and he has, he has planned accordingly, and he has all these things and these freedoms. And you try to live in his world with your means, and it's wrecking you. You can't glorify the Lord to the utmost because you've so extended yourself that you are slave to the lender. You are slave to the culture. You are slave to your lust and your love of another man's stuff. And you can't be the daddy that you need to be. And you can't be the husband that you should be because you're too concerned with that guy over there. The Joneses. You say, what in the world does this have to do with Revelation 3? Well, it's not just Revelation 3, although it is. And I'll show you in just a second. It's it's not just Revelation 3. It's Revelation 2 and 3. And the fact that Christ took the time and, and took up part of the canon of Scripture to address these issues in these particular situations. You see, Adam, I know your situation isn't like Ray's, although it is. Josh, your situation isn't like Jake's, although it is. Your situation, Dwayne, and Steve's situation is a little bit different. But you know what? You know how it's the same? 
is that your situation and his situation should both glorify God in every situation. It doesn't matter what's going on in your life or in your life. You are to look at your situation. You are to look at your life. You are to look at the specifics, and you say to God, you ask God, you cry out to God, God, how can this in my life be used to glorify you? No matter whether it's pain and trial and tribulation or whether it's a time of ease and a season of comfort. No matter what. Paul has said, I have have learned to be content no matter the situation. I've had a lot and I've had little. We We just fall into the times. We fall into the situation. We fall into the loss. We fall into the lust. We fall into the happiness. How many many Christians have crucified Christ all over again for their happiness? Did they pound the nails in again with a smile on their face? Some of us have been called by Christ to glorify him in a situation of broken of brokenness and poverty in this time. Are you happy with that? Have you learned to be content with that? All of this is to simply ask, is Christ enough? I was listening to a sermon the other day, and and this, this man made this amazing statement that I had never even thought about. When Satan came to Job, to God about Job, he said, God is actually the one that pointed Job out. He said, have you considered my servant Job? I'm sure if Joe would have known that, he'd be like, appreciate that, Lord. <laughs> have you considered my servant Job? What was Satan's response? The only reason that he worships you is the stuff that he has. God's like, okay, take his stuff. The only reason he worships you is because of the people in his life. Okay, take it. The only reason that he worships you is because he still has his health. Take it. What was, I never even put it in these words. If I thought about it, I can't remember. What was the underlying? What was the underlying presumption of Satan? What was the underlying, what was the underlying lie that he was trying to promote? Huh? Yeah, that he was living out of the benefits. But what was the under, underneath it all? Yes. The, under, the, the, the lie that was underneath it all was this. God is not enough. That you must have God and his stuff in order to remain faithful because God in and of himself is not enough. It would be said like this, Brody. It would say, Satan basically looked at God Almighty and said, God said, you consider Job? Satan basically looked at him and said, he'll deny you because you're not worth living for. 
You and that are worth living for, but you're not worth living for. This is the question. This. You see, I mean, I've been hammering for weeks and weeks and weeks. True believer, are you a true believer? Are you a false Christian? Ah. Some of y'all are like, I'm not going back over there. He's mean. <laughs> People have left and said that. I didn't mean to be mean. Well, not all the time. But here's the here's the thing. It's not a you know, it's not my job. I'm not, it's not like I'm looking at you going, false, true, true, false, false, true, true, false. That's, I mean, that's between you and God, okay? I'm just reading the Bible. But here's the thing. The mark of a true believer all throughout the scriptures is that God is enough. He's everything. He's everything. And if you take away everything else, he's still here with the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because the, because the Lord Jesus Christ is enough. Now, if we've got that baseline truth established, what happens with that individual is when you give him stuff on top of this foundation of Jesus Christ being God and Jesus Christ being enough, then he doesn't need the stuff. Amen? He doesn't need it. You give it to him, but he doesn't need it. And you know what happens when he doesn't need it? He can use it. He can give it away. I don't, I don't have to. I'm, I'm okay with just Jesus. And when you start piling stuff on that guy, he's like, hey, look what I got. You want some of this? Wait, you, and I, have, I have people say, you, not necessarily to me, but to other believers, they give too much. They could give it all away, and they still got too much. That's good right there. That wasn't mine, so that's why I can say that. Here it is, here it is. When you start to read these, I'm sitting here thinking to myself, I'm like, I am busting my tail. I am. I'm working like 60, 70, 80 hours a week. You know, not necessarily all in one place, but trying to run a business, trying to do church, trying to study, trying to, trying to be all this to all these different people, trying to do all this. Ah! That's what I feel like sometimes, right? And, you know, all that's good. It's the most all of that is good stuff. Keeps me busy. Sometimes keeps me out of trouble. But I get to going so fast, sometimes I lose sight of what I'm even doing. What am I even doing? So a lot of the times, it's not even that you need to keep quit doing all this stuff. You probably need to cut a few things back. But it's that you need to return and examine your baseline assumption. Because what we start doing is that we start working to gather the stuff instead of honor the king who owns all the stuff anyway. So all these letters are going out. And in the introductions of the letters, he is giving attributes about who he is in order to address situations that they're in. So basically, if you look at them, all the letters are the same in, in, that, uh, in, that, in that structure, okay? Different situations, same structure, same meaning, same intended result, which is to bring you to a place 
to where you glorify God and, and honor Christ in whatever situation that you find yourself in. And you need to make changes in order to do that, to adjust, to glorify God to the utmost in your present situation. Okay? So here in Sardis, here's the situation. And, I, and, I, and I, this was perfect timing. Check this out. And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, the words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. Okay? Now, what did we say was the seven spirits of God? There's, there's different conjecture. There's different ideas. Some say this is seven spirits. Some say this. Some say that. We landed in the place, and I believe this is the biblical understanding of this, is that the seven spirits of God is not seven individual different spirits, but it's the one Holy Spirit, seven being the number of perfection, wholeness, fullness. And so this is the complete, one and only, powerful, Holy Spirit of God. Okay? So it says here is that the words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. Who's, who are the seven stars? The messengers of the churches, the angels of the churches, okay? The, the ministers of the churches. So he says, here is the one who has the Holy Spirit and the people of God, okay? He has both, the Holy Spirit, God Almighty, and the seven stars. Listen to what he says here. I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive. So he says, I have all the people of God in my life, and I have the Holy Spirit. Now, what do we know about those who do not have the Holy Spirit? You don't belong to them, you're not alive. You're dead. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're not alive. You're dead. Okay? Let me say that one last time. If you do not have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, if you've not been reborn by the power of God and had the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you, you do not belong to God. You are dead in your transgressions and sins, and you are not alive. You are not able. You are not able to live life. Okay? I just need to establish that. If you do not have the Spirit, you cannot live life. For apart from faith, it is impossible to please God. You can exist until the second death, but you cannot live, okay? So here, Christ is, is, is giving the attribute of the seven spirits of God. So he has the Holy Spirit, and he has the seven stars. He has the people of God right here. We know in, in chapter 1, where did he have the seven stars? In his hand, in his right hand. He's got them, Okay? I know your works, you have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. You see the connection there. I have the Spirit, you may not have the Spirit. You don't have the Spirit, you're not alive. I know what you're doing, you're doing all these things, but you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're dead. You have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. Now, we've done a lot of work in all of these letters, talking about, True Christians and false Christians, those who profess with their mouth, but they don't walk it out. They don't have the Holy Spirit living inside of them. Those who uh, say one thing, but they've compromised so much with the world that there's no distinction, and therefore there is no assurance for that people, that person, that there is any salvation truly in them whatsoever. Okay, And so we said, only those who remain true, and this is the word of God, to the one who conquers even unto death, I will give him the crown of life. So the one who remains faithful to the end is the one who proves that he or she was born again and received the power of the Holy Spirit in this life. Okay, We, we clearly discussed the perseverance of the saints, is that all those who truly know Christ, they will make it to the end. They'll struggle, maybe so, but they will make it. It is a guarantee, okay? 
So now here he's saying this distinction between those who are alive and those who are dead. But what we see here is him come from a spiritual distinction from that, not separating them, but, but moving from a spiritual distinction into a physical, practical distinction. You see how he does it? He says, you have the reputation of being alive. So it's, you walk around and you say this and you say that, you do this and you do that, and, and people know, oh yeah, big Christian over there. Oh yeah, he or she's a Christian. Yeah, he's a Christian. But you are dead. So he said, the one with the Holy Spirit, the perfect Holy Spirit knows your works, and he knows your heart, and he says, you are dead. But what does he say about it? He says, wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. So he brings it around to this place, and it says, the way that you walk about every single day is the evidence by which I can look and say, you are not alive. Now, I feel like I've beat this horse, horse like I mean, with with a with a, what's that guy's name? Adam, what's that guy's name with the baseball bat with the barbed wire on it? Negan. I feel like I've beat it with Negan's bat. Only some will get that, and that's okay. What I want to do is I want to look at three things. I want to look at three things right here. We're going to move off site, okay? We're going to go somewhere else because I want to show you something. Because here's what, here's what the Lord just pressed on me. Is that your life, not your words, not your churchy stuff, not all of that. Your life, your life, your walk, your, your, when, Nancy, when there ain't nobody around, right? And, and you're, uh, you're wise, okay? You know, I believe it. You see, that just because, Nancy, how long have you been going to church? All your life. Well, I won't even ask how long that is. Just a long, just a little, a while, okay? So, don't y'all clap on that, no. But what I'm going to say here, I'm comfortable enough with you, I can do this, okay? That you've been going to church for a little while. It would be easy for you or someone looking at you to go, oh, she's in. She's in. Just because of your reputation, right? Like, I wouldn't think that you got a lot of sin in your life. Like, I, couldn't, I just couldn't even picture that. Like, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, like, you probably got it going on as far as, like, sinlessness. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Not like, you know, sinlessness, but like, you know, you, you, you probably walk a pretty clean life. Try. Praise the Lord. But you know, Nancy, and for anybody else in here, you could be going to church for 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years and have always just kind of went through the motions. You, you're doing the right things, but your heart like my question would be and you don't got to answer this just to any of you okay let me my question would be when there is nobody else around when when there is when there is not a fly on the wall not even do you do you separate yourself from sinful action but do you love jesus do you, do you long for him? Do you use your present situation to glorify him and to sing praises to the king? Not because of 
the stuff. You're probably kind of tired of all that stuff, right? You know, like, there's nothing that probably impresses you too much anymore. I would imagine that, that you would be so overwhelmed with the joy of the Lord. And I see it on your face. I see it when you come and, and pouring out to, 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 to Gary. And, and I see this presence of the Lord. And, and, it, and it, it does my heart well. Nancy, I just want you to know that. It does my heart well. Others of you are the same. That there's, you know, you, that's, what, that's one of the good things about, about growing older is that you start to see that this world really doesn't have all that much to offer. We get so wrapped up in it that we need to learn from each other. You know, that, 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 that we, is, it, is, it, is Christ enough? And I want to ask you guys out there, I want to ask you, does your walk every day, does it, does it scream Jesus? Not because you're out on the corner like the Pharisees, you know, preaching damnation for all who just believe, you know? If that's your thing, whatever. But, but does, your, does your little walks, that, that they aren't really churchy stuff, does that display the glory of God? I'll tell you a little part of my life in the last week that really got me thinking about this. I had decided a little while back to go on this camping trip with my boys and just wanted to get away and just, you know, love on them and do all this kind of stuff. Well, two months ago, I couldn't even have thought about that because I'm working like, you know, crazy hours and I can't get away and I feel like I can't get away and I probably could have the same way that I did this week, but I just feel like that I'm under the gun and I'm in bondage to this work and in bondage to this and in bondage to that, you know. But I decided we're going to do this thing. And we set some time apart, and, and I was like, Heather, I, I got to go. And she's like, all right, go. So we go up, and uh, we go to Orchard Lake, and we just do some camping. We was like, man, it was bad weather. It started raining. As soon as we pulled in, it's like, <laughs> so we're just sitting in the minivan. And I got a minivan. That's right. I'm proud of it, so don't <laughs> talk any junk. We're sitting in the minivan, which I had me and four kids and all my stuff. Plenty of room. We're sitting in the minivan, it's raining. I'm, I'm texting Heather on the phone. I'm, I'm just getting like, you know, like, it's raining. You know, I thought I had this planned out. It's going to be good. This is miserable, you know. And Heather's like, just stick it out. <laughs> and I was like, man, you just lost man points right there. That's not, that's not good. But no, I appreciate encouragement. I'm like, she's like, she's like, <laughs> she said, don't let the boys see you acting like that. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. <laughs> you know? So anyway, it, it quit raining. We set the tent up, tried to make the best of it. Well, we started having a good time, and, and we were swimming in the lake and all that kind of stuff. And I had taken, I had taken the word, obviously, and I, I was out on the picnic table and I'm just reading the scriptures and it's the Psalms and it's and it's talking about and it was crazy because Josh what you and I talked about you, you know it, 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 it say bless the Lord oh my soul why are you downcast within me bless the Lord oh my soul and we see David in this kind of rough spot but he's commanding his soul to bless the Lord it's like man you know and this that we were we were right beside this older couple and uh they, uh, they were really nice to us, you know. My kids were like, blah, you know, they're running around. I'm like, I was looking over there at those people, and I was like, oh, Lord. I was like, just be quiet, guys, be quiet. And they were like, oh, don't worry about it. It's okay. We had kids, too. Just let them have fun. I'm like, okay, you asked for it. <laughs> but, 
uh, we set up our camp. We went, we went and played. Well, we came back, and I had a conversation with them, you know, some. And I had heard this several times before. I shared this with some of y'all already. I'd heard this several times before, but it never really sank in like it did in this moment. It's because this, uh, this older gentleman, you know, he, he, uh, he had a gray beard, you know, gray, and he was talking to me, and he said, you know, I, 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 we've, we've come here for a long time. And he said, uh, my daughter now, she's 17 years old, and, and she can drive, and I hardly ever see her anymore. She's off looking at colleges, and she's on vacations with her friends. She said, I don't even hardly see her anymore. It's like I had got tears in his eyes, you know. Because I could tell he was remembering the times that they had spent there or, or wherever. And, and he was like, you know, I miss my little girl. And he looked at me and he said, and my kids was right in the background. He looked at me and he looked over at them and he said, don't you let this time slip by. And maybe for the first time ever, that didn't just pass by me as some cliche. But I just grabbed that truth and wholeheartedly just took it all in. And I didn't worry about no rain anymore. We, huh? Yes. He, you know, I, I, we, if we don't, if we're not careful, we find ourselves letting our life pass by as we look at that guy's life over there. And the crazy thing is, Robert just hit it. It was from the Lord. Is that that guy over there, his life is going and he's going, I wish I was back over there. Wow. Wow. But you know, I learned from that guy. Because in his wisdom, he shouted back over here, stop looking my way. You look at those kids. You look at that, that girl of yours. Whoa, what? <laughs> and you quit living for a life that you don't even have. And you start living the life that God gave you to live. You see, the scripture says here, it says, you have the reputation of being alive. But you're dead. You're not living right now. Wake up. Wake up. How many of us are asleep? And the scripture saying, wake up. Wake up. Arise, O sleeper. Awake, O sleeper. And arise from the dead. And the, and, and the light of Christ will shine on you. Wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have not found your words. Strengthen what remains. You see, it's not too late. It's not too late. I'm going to fi flip over to Ephesians chapter 4. It's not too late. You know, some of us are about to have some beautiful babies. Baby. Babies? No, he said, don't speak that over me. <laughs> some of us are about to have a beautiful baby. Some of us have beautiful babies. Some of us have babies half grown. And some of you, as I speak these words, you're like, oh. If I could only go back. You see, don't you get caught either. Don't you get caught either. You can't go back in time. But you can live right now. You can live right now and make the most of this. You see, there's letters to seven different churches in seven different situations. 
strengthen what remains. I want to just read a few passages about life. And I want you to just soak it in. Now this, I, this is Ephesians 4 starting in 17. Listen to this. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. You see, does this not relate? I mean, the scriptures that we just spoke of in Thyatira and in in, uh, uh, Pergamum and, and Ephesus, it's all about this compromise. He's saying don't go back and live like the Gentiles lived. Don't go back to these things that at one time uh, you got pleasure from or you found your identity in, but you look to the Lord. Listen to what he says. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy, uh, greedy to every practice, every kind of impurity, but that is not the way you learned Christ. I want to look at something real quick right here. This is one of the Psalms that I read. And, oh, it stuck in my soul. I want to read it to you because we talked about this when we talked about Thyatira. We talked about this when we talked about Pergamum. We talked about, especially Thyatira, that you, I know that you think, I know that you think that little sinful thing that you do, or that thing that's not even necessarily sinful in and of itself, but it's a neutral thing. Uh, it's just something that's indifferent. But the fact that you trade time from other things and that you trade uh, uh, feelings from other things and emotions, if you, the fact that you steal emotions from other things and put it over here in this thing, it becomes sinful. Things that like watching television, going to work, eating food, doing all these things, well, there's, that's just things. They're not sinful in and of themselves. But when you start to go to work to avoid your family or because you're so consumed with the love of money that you've neglected the very thing that God has given you to glorify him the most, then that's a problem. It's become sinful. Well, listen to what happens. When you lay down with the enemy, when you lay down into sin, sinful things too, lust, pornography, uh, alcoholism, drugs, all these types of things, you think I know you think that you Nobody knows about those things. You know, you're popping a pill or two. Nobody knows about those things. You're tapping on the internet. Nobody knows about those things. It's not hurting anybody. But I want you to know that when you lay down with the enemy, you bring the enemy into the bed. You bring that into yourself. You bring it into the home, and everybody feels it. I want you to listen to Psalm 106, 34 through 39. Listen to this. They did not destroy the peoples as the Lord commanded them. This is when the Israelites went into the the land of promise and they did not kill the people who was there. And what that was meant to intend and to convey to us is that we are not to become married to the culture that we live in. We are not to be married to 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 the sinful world around us, but we are to be distinct and set apart. And this is what happened when you intermarry with the culture around you. And when you accept those sinful things and you bring them into your lives, saying things like, oh, it's just me. No one knows. Oh, it's just a little while. Oh, uh, you know, this is just something I do to get me by. Hogwash. It it comes into your life. It comes into your family. It comes into your home. And it comes into your children. And they've got enough demons to fight. They don't need ours. 
They did not destroy the peoples as the Lord commanded them, but they mixed with the nations and learned to do as they did. Remember when it talked about learning the deep things of of Satan? You remember that in Thyatira? Well, listen to what it says. They served their idols, which became a snare to them. Verse 35, go back. But they mixed with the nations and learned to do as they did. They learned these cultural things. They served their idols, which became a snare to them. They sacrificed their sons and their daughters to the demons. They poured out innocent blood the blood of their sons and daughters whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan and the land was polluted with blood. Thus they became unclean by their acts and played the whore in their deeds. You sacrifice your children on that altar. You sacrifice your children on that altar. When you, when you go to the world for your identity, listen to what it says, they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy, to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learn Christ. It's not the way you learn Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, check this out, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor for we are members one of another. Here's the one I wanted you to really pay attention to. Be angry, yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. We live this life. We we are so unraveled. We have no peace. We have no joy. We are running the race of life, but without our eyes set to Christ. And when we do that, we don't even know where we're going. And when you're lost and you don't know where you're going and you're running and running and running and running and running without a destination, you just get furious. You get angry. You get upset. And the first person that says anything is like, bite their head off. It's because we've been consumed with the world. We're not setting our eyes on Christ. In contrast, flip over with me to Philippians chapter 4. I'm moving quickly here. I know we've got some other stuff to do. Rejoice in the Lord, Philippians 4, 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let us request, let our request be known to God. And listen to this. How many of us have run the race of the culture so much and so fast that we are completely exhausted? You know why? Practically speaking, you know why? It's because you're running that guy that's 30 years away, and you're not that fast. You're running at that guy that's not even in your time zone. And you're going to run and run and run and run and run, and you're never going to get him. You're just going to get exhausted. You're just going to get anxious. You're going to have no peace. But listen to the promise of God. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known To God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That is not a suggestion. It's not a maybe. It's not a, hey, what if? It is, if you will go to the Lord and you will make your supplications and your prayers with thanksgiving be known to God, then it will be that the peace of God will abide on you. It will be. It says, whatever... 
Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. All of you have been so blessed. So blessed. Finally, the last scripture in the bank can come on up. The last scripture, and this brings it all together. Because we see the letter to Sardis. And I, and I guess maybe I found myself pretty close to Sardis, which is kind of rough because Sardis didn't have too many good things to, to be said about him. But I, I, I felt this weight of this first part of this passage. Because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this. We can even be so consumed with good things and great things that we miss the most important things. Let me say that again. We can be so consumed and concerned with good and great things that we can lose sight of and miss out on the most important things. Sometimes we lose sight of the most important things just because we have sinful desires and tendencies. But sometimes we do so because we have got so busy. I think that I think that, that is one of the greatest tools of the enemy is busyness. What does Mark always says? Busy stands for bound under Satan's yoke. Sometimes it's good to Keep your hands busy because you can, you know, in, in idleness, you can get into some trouble. But what, sometimes we need to slow down. We need to be still and know that he is God. Check out this last scripture right here. Because some of you, if you're like me, as I am up here preaching and I'm going, I'm saying, slow down, slow down. Look at what the Lord has blessed you with right here, right now. Give glory to God for that. And, and ask Him how you can use this present situation to glorify Him the most. Because some of you are in a horrible situation. You know what you're talking about, Brad? I'm not embracing this situation. I'm trying to get out of this situation. In all of your prayers, let's be honest. Let's be honest. In all of your prayers, you've prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And this has been your prayer. Let this cup pass. 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 But you remember what Christ said? He said, I wish that this cup would pass from me. But nevertheless, it's for this reason that I came here and he drank it all. To the glory of God. I know you're I know you're in pain, but I will promise you this. If you allow your pain and your suffering the purpose that it was intended for, then it will be meaningful and it will be of use and you will be carried along by the power of the Spirit as you glorify God in your suffering. Your worship will be true. For like Job, when he finally stood before the Lord naked and bare, 
and everything had been stripped away. Then he was vindicated. Then and only then was he found to be true. And he struggled along the way. But the end of the book said, but in all these things, Job did not sin. So I'm not telling you you can't bang on God's chest. I'm not telling you you can't jump up in his arms and grab him by the back of the neck and look him dead in the eye and say, why? But when he tells you the reason and you lay your head down on his chest and you say, okay, 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 if you want me to, okay. God's got a reason for whatever season that you're in. He really does. He really does. And I'm not just saying that. He really, really does. And you've been going about your season in one way, but it's been the wrong way for many of you. And you know, the crazy thing is, is that one, you're not going to get out of that situation any faster. So it's useless. We see that in Matthew chapter 6. What do you gain for worrying? Not a thing. You don't add a day to your life. Two, you miss out on the manifold blessings of allowing God to use you in your suffering. You see, you can go through the suffering and be demanding the whole time to be led out of the suffering and lose sight of the glories that can be found in it. And so you just walk through the same pain for no reason. And he's going to do what he's going to do. So you can go through it and you can say, oh, why, why? And continue just to say why with no reason or no purpose. Or you can finally, like Job, just lay down on your face. And so God, you know. And he put his hand over his mouth. God, you know. Because God does know. When we put it in the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ, he tells us explicitly that the peace of God flows over us and into us and through us, and it is an amazing, amazing thing. Last scripture. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in him, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him and he is before all things and in him all things hold together as you stand to your feet listen I have in my life gotten so consumed with my circumstances and a lot of people look at me like I'm just an idiot because they'd say but you've got all these blessings in your life well how many of you can I look at and say the same thing we are, we are the most blessed people. It is crazy that any of us would complain about anything is just beyond craziness. But we do. We, we complain about the blessings that we have. But I'll tell you what. At least in this present time right now, I want to praise His holy name for just just giving me a little grace to be able to step back a little bit and look at where I am in life and, and just say, Brandon, you've been a fool from time to time for not grabbing that beautiful wife up of yours and, and just hugging her and loving her and kissing her on the neck if she'll let you. She don't like that. I do, though. 
grabbing them boys up and wrestling with them and hugging them and loving them and being forgiven with them. I guess I'll tell you this. Sometimes I get so concerned with being a, a Christian parent, a godly parent, and exercising discipline and, and, you know, teaching these boys what life's all about, that I forget to show mercy and grace and compassion. And I see people looking and give me the stink eye sometimes, and it helps me. It reminds me. I had a woman rebuke me hard one time at the pumpkin patch. Said she's going to call the law. I just gave him a little pop. I'm like, dang, I'm glad you went at the house yesterday. <laughs> but you know, I've tried, I've tried, and I've got a strong-willed child, and I put that post on Facebook the other day because the Lord was reminding me. I don't, some of y'all might not have read it, but it was the post that said, a hard-nosed, strong-willed child, they got to have discipline. They got to. But as many times as you discipline them, you got to love them two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times as much. Because if you don't, you're going to tear them apart and break them to pieces. So Ezekiel, he's my hard-nosed one. He's the one that I've told y'all before when he was younger. And he still does like this. That's what he does when he gets mad. But used to, he'd, when I tell him, to, we'd get into a little spout and I'd tell him to do something. He'd look at me and he'd say, I'm going to turn it to the hook and I'm going to smash you. <laughs> but you know, at least in the past two weeks, I've tried not to overlook sin. You know, he's got sin in his life. So I still got to discipline him. Got to be balanced. But I've tried to find those times, right, when he's doing good and just grab him by the shoulders and pull him up to me and look him dead in the eye and say, boy, you know what I love about you? He'll just get this cheesy grin on his face. He'll say, what? I say, I love your passion. I love how strong you are. I love how hard you love. And I love your cheeks. And I love your hair. And then he's like, oh, like this, you know. And I said, I love to kiss you. just reminds him. Sometimes that's the best discipline in the world. Because I think a lot of times, I know I'm going over right now, but I just want, a lot of times your children, my children, the only reason they're doing that is to get your attention. Maybe if you would have given them some attention, they wouldn't be doing that. Maybe it could be preventative measures. And let's bring this all back around is that that's what Christ is saying. Is that, look, you you don't need all of these things. You don't need all of this stuff. You don't, you don't need that what that guy's got. You don't need what the world's got. You don't need these things that promise all of this passion and, and all of this feelings and all of this happiness because you got me. I tell Z, I say, buddy, you don't need to fight Ezekiel. I mean, uh, Asher for his Gatorade. I got another one, baby. Let's go get you one. It's in the fridge. It's cold. It's waiting on you. See, God's got everything you need. Stop. Here, we'll end right on this, maybe. Every God is worth living for in and of himself, period. Let's do it. Let's end on that. God's worth living for. God alone is worth living for. Amen. God alone. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. And you can come down and 
And uh, we'll pray over you down here. Pray where you are. This is a time of, of invitation, a time of response. And if you'd like for me to pray, maybe you've been walking right past your life. Maybe you passed your kids going in and out of the door and you don't forgot how to be a daddy. It's happened, I know. Maybe you forgot how to be a mommy. Maybe you forgot how to be a husband. It happens. But man, I love that fact when he said, he said, wake up. Wake up and strengthen what remains. You're not dead yet. Right? Is anybody in here dead? Come on, strengthen what remains. Let's pray and you guys respond accordingly. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for just some wisdom that you've that you've let me see a little bit of this this week and I thank you so much for just taking a little time you know I, I was so concerned uh, about slowing down that I thought everything would just fall apart I don't even know why I think that way you're holding it all together but I do God I get I get my eyes off of you and it gets hard and I know that my, some of my friends here that they I know they're in that same place some of them have lost sight so much so then I'm afraid that they can't see their way back. And so what I pray for them even right now is that their friend beside of them would, would just reach out right now and, and just take them by the hand. And if that's too weird, maybe they could reach over and put their hand on their shoulder just to let them know that, that they're not alone. They're not alone. One, they've got you. But, but if that's too big right now, that they've got... They've got a friend beside of them that have you and that they can be reminded. They can be awakened. They can can come back. It's okay. Lord God, I pray that this truth would fall on the whole congregation, that there has never been a sin that was so big Christ couldn't cover it. That there there is forgiveness in this place because the gospel is going forward. For he who knew no sin became sin so that we all who believe in him might become the righteousness of Christ. And I pray that that falls thick on the people of God and on the people in the room that are not of God. That they would see and that they would believe that today is the day of salvation. And that they wouldn't harden their hearts as Israel did in the wilderness. But they would come. That they would come to Christ. I pray that we would love, love you. And love those around us right now in Christ's name. Amen. Respond accordingly, people of God. If you need salvation, come. I'll talk with you. We'll seek the Lord together. Clothe me in your grace. Amen.